Let's, uh, let's pray together, and then we'll get after it. Father, you are incredibly good. And uh, Lord, we, we are overwhelmed at the reality of who you are, God, what you've done. And God, this morning as we, we, we dive into the text, Lord, there is a, a sense of awe that all that we need, all that satisfies, all that redeems, all that reconciles, comes from you and flows from you and has been delivered to us in the pages of this book. So God, we, we, we honor the reading of your word this morning. We honor the, the teaching of your word this morning. God, and I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. Lord, allow me to be a vessel. God, nothing more, nothing less but a vessel. I love you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Excuse me. All right. So last week we had Easter, <clears throat> or we celebrated. We didn't have Easter. We celebrated Easter. And uh, we talked about, and I shared this earlier, but what it looks like, kind of where you go from the, the crescendo of Christianity, if you will, the, 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 the peak of Christianity is that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. And those three simple truths really were... The, the whole context of last week's sermon, we celebrated the reminder that Christ Jesus paid our debt and he paid it in full. So going forward this week, I began to think about who, so, so this Jesus, and if we were alive 2,000 years ago, Christ died for us, right? And then he, he went into the grave, and now we're a week later, and Jesus is kicking it with his disciples, right? So, so he's risen from the grave. He starts appearing to people saying, hey, I told you, look, I'm the one. Right? Everybody's like, no, he's down for the count. He's in the grave. It's done. It's over. And Jesus is like, <laughs> nail scars. Right? I did it. I am who I say I am. So for me, I really wanted to this morning think about, and for the next few weeks even, to wrestle through and press through together, who is this risen Jesus? What does he do? What is he like? And the first place that I wanted to start today was joy. And if you, you're, you're taking notes and you like to title sermons or what have you, the title of today's sermon is Jesus is the Joy Giver. All right? Jesus is the Joy Giver. Uh, some of you look like you don't believe me this morning, but I promise you, he is. All right? But before we dive into that, I, I want to talk a minute about counterfeits. I think it's really, really, really important as we, as we look to God's Word and we look to Jesus as the Savior that we contemplate the idea of a counterfeit. Does anybody know what a counterfeit is? The, the, the imposter of something, right? I, I want to share a story with you, just kind of draw you in and connect you to where I am this morning. Uh, a group of friends and myself, we meet once a week at a restaurant here in town uh, to do some discipleship. So on Wednesday mornings, <clears throat> we'll, we'll meet together and, and we talk through some scripture and usually it's just like, a, usually everybody's just kind of bantering and uh, and refining each other and sharpening each other, right? That's what we're called to do in discipleship. And and uh, and, and I love the eggs, okay? So so I'm just I'm, I'm getting down on eggs. And and here's the deal, like I, I've been doing this thing they call paleo for a few weeks. I'm not endorsing a diet this morning. That's not what I'm doing. But like I've been like, man, summer's coming. I need to shed a few pounds. You know, sun's out, guns out, kind of stuff. You know, and uh, I need to get ready for summer. Right, so so I'm doing this paleo thing where basically you just eat meat and eggs and you're miserable all the time. Okay, so so I'm eating eggs, man. I'm just working it right. And then a guy comes in and sits down one morning. He's like, "Hey, man, uh, 
and we were talking about the eggs. I'm like, man, I love these eggs. I'm just killing them. He's like, you, you, know, uh, you know those aren't real eggs. I was like, whoa. He's like, no, for real, there's a little powder, and you pour it from a bucket. And I was like, oh, God. Like, it just, <laughs> stop talking. It's just getting worse, right? It's getting worse and worse. So, so in that moment, now trust me, I'm going to go back, and I'm still going to kill those eggs, right? But in my mind, and I don't know why I painted it this way, but I'm like, I'm eating some organic, free-range, no antibiotic eggs, the real thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm just killing it on Wednesday mornings. And the reality is, is they're counterfeit. They weren't real. They kind of look real. They surely tasted real with some salt and some pepper, but they didn't provide for me anything authentic. There was no, there was no nutrients. There was no protein. There was no real vitamins. And listen, they were not gluten-free. You know what I'm saying? Share another quick story, and then I promise we're going to move into the text. But I want you just to, to, to ride with me this morning, see where we're going. When I was younger, uh, we, we, we literally, uh, financially, my family, when I was a child, we struggled, right? There, there was, I, I can be real with you, like we were, we, I, I won't say we were poor, but probably everybody else around us would have said that at the time, right? And like we were hamburger helper kind of poor. Like if you go to the cabinet, you open the thing, and if there's anything, it's going to be hamburger helper. So... I remember summertime would be coming, and we would always do like a pool day or something, maybe go like try to fish at, at Lake Blackshear or something. And I remember like as a kid running to the cooler, being super excited and lifting the lid, and there being like Dr. Thunder or Mountain Lion, right? And I remember as, there was no Mountain Dew, there was no Dr. Pepper, right? Like it was an imitation. It was a counterfeit. I'm like, no, right? Because there's no substitute for Mountain Dew. True. I hope you see the picture of a counterfeit because I want to read you something this morning from Ecclesiastes chapter 2. That's what the writer says. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female servants and, 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 and servants who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had ever been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the Son of Man. So I became great and surpassed all who were ever before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and all the toil that my hands had created, and in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. I want to talk to you for a moment about counterfeit joy before we talk about authentic joy this morning because here's the reality just like I mean those moments right where where I think I'm getting strength and vitality I think you know the, I mean let's just look at those eggs man I thought they were really doing it for me right and they were a counterfeit I was putting my hope and trust in something that was lying to me the whole time and the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying the same thing listen I built houses 
I, I had friendships and relationships and relationships and far too many relationships, right? The, as he's, he's writing, he's saying, man, I did everything that I wanted to do, looking for joy, looking for the source of life, looking for vitality. And at the end of the day, it was like reaching for the wind. It was gone. So many times we build our lives on counterfeit joy. Things in this life that we think, we think building the house, you know, will finally bring us that joy, finally bring us that, you know, that, that hope and that vitality and that sense of family we've been longing for. We think, man, maybe if I get that car or maybe if I get that raise or maybe if I get that job. And Solomon is saying this this morning. This, this, he's unpacking it for me. Listen, I had all the jobs you could want. I built all the kingdoms you could want. I had all the gardens and all the hobbies and all the relationships. And at the end of the day, I was left with nothing. Because every counterfeit crumbles. Do you hear me this morning? Sometimes as humans, as people, we, we put our, 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 all of our, we throw our chips on the table when it comes to a relationship or to a hobby or to a sport, to a person. But I want you to hear me say this this morning. There will be a day when, when you can't play sports anymore. And those knees are going to go, I'm telling you. There will be a day, right? There will be a day that even though the house is new and beautiful and big, there's going to be a day that those pipes burst and ruin the hardwood floor. There's going to be a day that even the people you love the most will breathe their last this side of heaven and take a first breath with Christ in eternity. Listen, everything under the sun that we try to make our joy will eventually give out. It's going to give out. It's never lasting. The counterfeit joy that we, we, we try to grab from this world, our strength and our intellect, all of it is fleeting. <clears throat> it always leaves us empty when it's gone. Just like grabbing the wind. Listen, I want you to hear this. Propping our lives up on the counterfeit joy will eventually lead to brokenness and sorrow. Listen, if you prop your life on something that has no real strength, has no real vitality, if you prop your life up on a counterfeit joy, you will always find yourself broken and distressed, always sorrowful, always looking for more. That's why some of us go from job to job to job or relationship to relationship to relationship or hobby to hobby to hobby, right? Or friend group to friend group to friend group because we're looking, we're searching, man. We're desiring joy, real life, real happiness, real. I mean, the word joy means glee, right? It means triumph. It means happiness. It means, man, joy, super, like there's no explanation to how filled up with joy and happiness that word really means in the context of the Bible. And we're all looking for it. We're grabbing for it. And if we're propping our lives up on counterfeit joy, we will always walk in brokenness. This morning, that may be you. You may be in that circle, in that cycle. Listen, I just want to say this before we move on. Move on. There is power in Christ to break the cycle. All right? I want you to hear this statement one more time. It's better to find out that you're holding a counterfeit while standing in line than when you've paid the price and, bought and brought it home. Do you hear me? It's better to find out that you're propping your life up on a counterfeit today 
rather than when you stand before Christ one day or when you're 10 years or 20 years down the road and you, you look back and you thought, man, I really thought real life and real vitality was in my success. I thought real life, I thought real joy was in my promotion. Looking back one day, you'll realize and be thankful that you found out whatever you're propping your life up on was a counterfeit while you're still standing in line. I want to tell you this short story and then we're going to move on to another piece of the sermon. But, but I had a buddy and he's a musician. He's a guitar player. He's really, 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 really good, right? Way, I mean, just far better than a lot of guys that I know. And he was always one of this guitar. It's a Gibson something, something, something. I don't really know because I don't know all that technical stuff. But, but he, like he saved for it. He worked for it. He saved for it. He worked for it. And he got it home. He bought it, got it home. And he builds guitar, so he's examining the guitar, and he's playing it and talking about how awesome it is. And then he sees, like, this little thing on it, and, 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 and he was like, man, the, the original Gibson didn't have that. And the more he starts examining, he realized that he just spent over $2,000 on a counterfeit guitar. Now, I'm sure he would have preferred to know before he had PayPal'd that money. You know what I'm saying? Aren't you there this morning? Don't you want to know? I want to know, are there things in my life that I'm, I'm propping on, I'm leaning on, I'm, I'm building a foundation on that they're, they're not lasting. They're not forever, and they give no real joy. So hear this, if you're taking notes, point number two this morning, Jesus is the joy giver, and I want to talk for a minute about the joy of Jesus. Because the joy that we have in Christ, the joy that He gives us is not counterfeit. It's not fleeting. It doesn't run out, but it sustains. And I want to I show you a few points about this joy that we have in Jesus. Listen, Jesus purchased joy that matters. Uh, he purchased joy that matters, not masked with a permanent smile painted on. I'm going to read that one more time to you. Jesus purchased joy that matters, not masks that are permanently painted on our faces. I want you to hear that. He purchased joy that matters. We live in the South, all right? Um, so, so the thing in the South is that there's Southern charm and we're supposed to look a certain way and dress a certain way and say a certain thing and smile at the right time. Listen, Jesus, that, that's a counterfeit joy. That's a counterfeit happiness. Jesus paid for real joy. He, he, didn't, he didn't go to a cross and die in our place so that we could paint up and put on a smile that really means nothing while we're crumbling inside. Jesus paid a price so that we could come to him with all of our baggage, with our mask laid at his feet, so that he could fill us with his joy and his grace and his righteousness. Do you hear me this morning? Are you with me this morning? Real joy, real vitality, real hope. The joy of Jesus has been tested. Listen, ridiculed, rejected, abandoned, betrayed, and crucified. The joy of Jesus endured the onslaught of the enemy and remained. Isaiah 53.3, we talked about it last week. He was a man of sorrows. He bore our grief. Our grief was upon him. The joy that we find in Jesus, Jesus the joy giver, the joy that we find in him is not some weak joy. It was tested. Can you imagine what it looked like this week, that week as the disciples are hiding, looking from afar as the community and Pilate, even Barabbas may be still wandering in the crowd thinking, who's this guy that took my place? At any minute they think, they sh he's surely going to curse this God that he says he's being obedient to. He's surely going to say he's not the Messiah. He's surely going to say there's going to be a point where he's crushed too much and he gives up. And at the end of the day, the joy that Jesus had in serving the Father and the joy that Jesus had in redeeming man for himself endured through all the brutality and came out the other side victorious. Amen. 
his joy's been tested. It's not some joy sold in the back parking lot somewhere out of a briefcase. It's not something cheap. The joy that Christ has given you, that you have at the hand of Christ, it's been tested. It's been tested. Not only has the joy in Jesus been tested, the joy in Jesus does not free us from suffering. Rather, it allows us to be sustained and triumphant in suffering. I want you to hear this this morning. And you guys know that I, that, that I hit this every so often, and I'm just going to do it this morning. But there are preachers, and you guys know it. You see them on TV. You re, some of you read their books. They, they, they sell you a bill of goods, and they say, hey, follow Jesus, and your life will be happy. Follow Jesus, and you won't be sick anymore. Follow Jesus, and, and, and all your financial worries will be, you know, they'll be gone. Follow Jesus, and everything will be just fine. You won't have to suffer. Follow Jesus. If you really want to be happy, just follow Jesus and you're never going to have to suffer again. And listen, if you hear that kind of preaching, that's not the truth of the gospel. The joy that Jesus gives you does not allow us to avoid the suffering. The joy that Jesus gives us allows us to walk through the suffering with our head held high, knowing that he's our redeemer and he's our king and there's another side to it. He allows us to walk through suffering and give it purpose and meaning. He does not allow us to skirt the suffering because he did not skirt the suffering. And if anyone could have, it was Christ. At any moment, he could have said, stop. Every bird instantly stopped chirping. Every river stopped flowing. The sun and moon all stop in their orbit instantly. He could have. But Jesus was willing to endure the suffering rather than skirt it. So that you and I could receive his joy. So that you, can I, you and I could receive a joy that was tested. And a joy that triumphed. Psalm, I want to read these to you. So, you know, you say, TJ, are you sure about that? Pretty sure the Bible says it. Let's read it together. Psalm 126 and 5. I love this verse. 126 and 5. It says, those who sow in tears shall also reap with shouts of joy. Psalm 35 says, those anger lasts for a moment, his favor endures for a lifetime. And though weeping endures for a night, joy comes in the morning. Listen, joy and suffering, some of us want to separate suffering or separate hard times or separate you know, sacrifice from Christianity. We just want it to be good. We just want good days. And I get that, right? Who doesn't? I want that. But the reality is, is that joy and suffering are as inseparable as the sun and moon. You have them both. You have them both. And we can choose today, we can delight in Christ and allow his joy to flow from us and to flow in us in such a way that he allows us to walk through it or we can continually try to skirt it and over and over be ruined. Embrace whatever you suffer, whatever you walk through, embrace it knowing that God put it in your life for his glory and your eternal good, even if you don't understand it. Do you hear me this morning? The joy of Jesus has been tested. The joy of Jesus does not free us from suffering. Rather, it allows us to be sustained in our suffering and triumphant over it. Listen to this. The joy of Jesus is evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. Most of us, if we've been churched at all, we know this verse. It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. So listen, 
The joy of Jesus is evidence that His Spirit is living in you. So this is, this is the most loving way that I know how to say this this morning. If you have no joy in life, if you are constantly walking in misery and turmoil, if you feel that you have no freedom, listen, check yourself. Paul says examine yourself to see that you're in the faith. If you, if you have that constant emptiness, that constant just miserable nag in your life and in your soul, may it be that you haven't surrendered all of you to Christ. The joy of God is the evidence of His Spirit living in your heart, in your life. It's evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Number two is the product of abiding in Him. I want to read this to you in John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can thumb there quick. John chapter 15. The joy of Jesus is evidence of being filled with the Spirit, and the joy of Jesus is the product of abiding in Him. You say, teacher, how do I, how do I obtain this joy? Like, I know I'm a believer, right? Like, I know I'm a believer. But man, sometimes I stumble into depression or seasons of brokenness or seasons of insecurity, seasons of fear or seasons of regret or seasons of shame because of where I was before Christ. How do I, how do I break this? And listen, uh, Lifeway and a million other resources that I think are incredibly good sometimes fall short when they put out books. They're like 10, 10 steps to a joyful life, right? 25 ways to, to, to unpack your joy. I don't know. If you read those books, that's awesome. I hope you get something from them. I'm sure you do. But here's the deal. Like, what we need this morning, what Christ needs from you is not that you work harder to be more joyful. Not that you work harder to live more holy. What he needs from you this morning is that you would abide in him. And you say, TJ, are you sure? Let's read this together. I want you to hear this. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it, abide, it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is, he it is that bears fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Jump to 11 with me. These things... We'll start at 9. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So the key from Jesus' perspective is not that you work harder or do more or read the right books. Though it is good to... to to desire a morally sound and pure lifestyle. I believe that's honoring to the Lord, it, to be full of integrity, to dig in the Word, to be a student of the Word. Those things I believe He desires from us. But that is not the key to joy this morning. The key to joy is abiding in Christ. And that word abide in the Greek translation means that you would make your home in. That you would put your roots down in Christ. That your foundation that everything about who you are is not in other things. It's not in hobbies. It's not in your 401k. It's not in your status in society or how much money you give to the church or how often you serve or how many services you attend. That's not where your joy is going to come from. Your joy is only going to come from Christ. And the longer and longer that you abide in Christ, that you make your home in Christ, you'll feel his joy begin to be the heartbeat of who you are. 
And I get it. I know some of you are sitting there. You say, TJ, you don't understand. You don't understand the grief I've walked through. You don't understand the sorrow I've walked through. You don't, you don't understand, TJ, the depression that I deal with sometimes on a regular basis. Listen, I, for those of you that, that may be wrestling with that in your mind, even as I teach this sermon, I want you to remember back to one of God's beloved in Scripture. King David was called out as just a boy, and God, God just poured love and favor and anointing on him. And even David, I want you to hear this, because even David said at times that he walked through seasons, and he said these words, God, I feel like I was your hand, and you cut me off and cast me aside. God, I, I laid on my bed day and night and I've meditated on you and I've, God, I've wondered where you are. And you guys know, you've heard Psalm 63 where David cried out and said, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. There are times in the Christian life where there's just no water. Right? There's just no water. And we're, we've, we've built our lives and we've propped our lives up on everything else, whether it be a relationship or a marriage or a business or, or a friendship. And those things begin to crumble, man. And there's just no water. Listen, when everything else leaves, Jesus remains. Do you hear me? When everything else crumbles, He is a worthy foundation. I want you to hear this. These things I have spoken to you, these are the words of Jesus. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I want you to hear something this morning. The joy that comes from Jesus, the joy that happens in us, and I say that like that because we don't make it happen. We don't buy it. We can't purchase it. We can't earn it. The joy that happens in us in our faith walk is His joy. He didn't give us some other version of joy. He gave us Himself. He said, I've said these things to you that you might abide in me so that my joy in you might be full. He's given you a joy that's authentic because he's given you himself. Do you hear me this morning? We'll wrap up like this in just a minute. Hear this. The last point I want you to hear and I want you to grab and I want you to, to, to really understand this morning is that though his joy has been tested, it doesn't free us from suffering. It allows us to walk through it and be triumphant over it. It's evidence of being filled with the Spirit. It's the product of abiding in Him, making our home in Him. Listen, it is indestructible. It was indestructible for Him, and He put that on display. If you look in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, He said, we look to Jesus, pairing with the abide. Remember, we're abiding in Him. We're making our home in Christ, right? Looking to Jesus. How do I find this joy that you're talking about, TJ? How do, I, how do I understand this joy? How do I move towards this joy? Because sometimes that's all it requires from us. Some of us longtime believers who've grown stale or cold in our faith, sometimes it's just it's moving towards this joy. How do we do that? Hebrews 12, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, who for the joy set before him. I mean, if there ever would have been a time that Christ, that his joy would have been crushed, it would have been on the cross. When he felt the full measure of God's wrath being poured out on him, the full measure, nothing held back. If there was ever a moment that his joy could have been crushed, it was in the moment that all of his disciples abandoned him. 
He was spit at and punched and kicked and railed against. If there was ever a moment that joy could have escaped the heart of Christ, it would have been that moment. But listen, he endured the cross because of the joy, because he knew he was being obedient to his Father, and he was reconciling sinful man, you and me, to himself forever and all eternity for the joy set before him. So it was indestructible for him. And listen, because it was indestructible for him, he proved himself as the Messiah, the King, the Sovereign Lord. The joy that he's given us is indestructible. Listen, 2 Corinthians 4, 7-9 through 9 says it like this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Listen, we have him in these earthen vessels, these, these jars of clay. We have Christ. We have the joy of Christ to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed because the joy of Christ in us through the power of conversion is indestructible. What you've been given is indestructible. Listen, they tried. (laughs) They tried. Three days later, he came back with all the power over death, hell, and the grave. They tried to crush the joy. He rose from the grave with life and liberty to all who would believe. So let me ask you this morning, is your joy, is your joy in Christ? Have you propped your life up on joys that will not last? Have you propped your life up on things that one day are chasing of the wind, done? Or have you anchored yourself in the joy of Jesus? Have you anchored yourself in who he is? Have you made your home in Christ so that his joy can be alive in you? I want to pray for you. We're going to have a time of response this morning. And and if you want to come, if you want to pray by yourself this morning, our altars are open. Our prayer teams are, they'll stand to the left and right if you would like somebody to pray for you. And if you want to talk about salvation this morning, you know, I'm, I'm always glad to talk. I would love to talk to you. But I, I do, listen, I want you to examine your heart today. Are, is it just talk to you? Or have you given your whole life to Christ? Have you thrown everything else aside, all the hobbies, all the goals, all the money, all the houses, all the prestige, all whatever you're chasing in this life, have you thrown it all aside and said, Jesus, I want you. I want you to be my joy. Let me pray for you and we'll respond. Father, my prayer is simple today. Increase our joy. Increase our joy. God, it's so easy to put on a mask of of happiness or joy and on the inside be crumbling to pieces. So, Father, I pray that you would expose your joy to us this morning. That you would remind us that we can abide in you. That we really can surrender And that our joy can be full. I love you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.